Hi. I'm Alexis. And I'm Haley. And this is Hysterical History. A broad perspective. Because we're broads. And it's a, we have perspectives. About. What do you want to do? What do you want to do yeah. about it? It's history. It's broad. And it's about ladies sometimes, but not today. Today it's about robots. Yes. Which is, I love robots. I love especially historical robots. As much as I like ladies, I love robots that are historical. I'm going to be honest. I'm kind of afraid of robots. Like, I have, um, <laughs> I have really bad Uncanny Valley syndrome where, like, things that look like humans but aren't humans are very creepy to me. Like clowns uh, okay. and dolls. Oh, no. And Clown, don't even bring clowns into this. <laughs> I'm just this. saying. Like, but robots are part of that. Because once they start looking human, I'm afraid of them. I, for me, it's, there's a difference between a robot and something that is definitely human who is disguising itself. Right. So, like, people in, in masks, people in... Very heavy makeup, mm-hmm. like drag queens are excluded because Obviously. it's like it's an act. People who are acting on stage, and it's like sexy. Yeah, but like if you're a clown, mm-hmm. uh, you're in that. Agreed. You're so in that. Agreed. Some forms of cosplay even are too much. Right. It's like I. No, it's too much. You start looking to mildly point. not human, but I know you yeah, are. It's, uh, it's, it's like to the, it's too much. I'm sorry. But robots, like if there's a robot in a computer game, I will try to date the robot. That's fair. <laughs> I'm not afraid of them in computer games. Um, <laughs> but also like the, so the book slash movie, I robot, I like, because I'm like, this is realistic. Like if sure. the robots are mm-hmm. smart enough, they will murder all of us because we're dumb. <laughs> So I'm also mildly afraid of robots because of that. I'm not afraid of, however, um, our subject today, who I mentioned before um, in our first episode about Napoleon. I'm so excited. I talked about a robot that he played chess against and lost, of course. I'm so excited. Um, And he has many names, but my favorite one is, and kind of the classic nowadays is uh, Turk or the Turk. 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 Um, in the episode, I actually said that I don't think he has anything to do with Turkish people. I was entirely wrong. Um, he's a very like racist representation of a Turkish person at the time. <laughs> I of mean, I, I, I don't know if it's bad to try to get around this in my mind mentally. I mean, realistically, it's good to face that right. and, acknowledge, and acknowledge the historical racism. I agree. But, it, but in my mind, it's just Turk from Scrubs. <laughs> He doesn't really look like Turk from Scrubs. I'm just going to let you know. (laughs) Oh, it's ruined. Sorry. The illusion is ruined. I'm sorry. I'm all about facts here. But anyway, um, so he was invented. The Turk was invented by Wolfgang von Kempelen, um, who I'm assuming is like German or Austrian because of his name. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Really? Hmm. I don't know. You sure? Maybe he's British. Maybe New Zealander? (laughs) Maybe he's Turkish. Um, no. Uh, but so he basically what happened was he was at the Austrian court of Empress Maria Theresa in 1770-ish. And uh, that's when it's debuted. But he went there earlier, like a year or two earlier, and he saw this guy, uh, Francois Pelletier. Uh, guess where he's from? Ooh. Um, 
like Nigeria, possibly. <laughs> Close. France. Argent- Argentina. Oh, no, no, I was wrong. Not France. Um, but he used illusion magic and like really impressed <laughs> the Empress because he was a magician. Oh, no. But the Empress was like, that's real cool. And Wolfgang was like, lame. Um, well, yeah, because it's like Job from Arrested Development's like, look at my illusion <laughs> right. magic. Well, so Francois <laughs> apparently was using um, magnets, which, you know, weren't like a real understood thing at the time in the 1700s. Um, but how do magnets work? I don't even really know. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> well, that's embarrassing. That's embarrassing for both of us because well, I couldn't explain it in like five words or less. Yeah, magnetic forces combine, can come together, go apart. Oh, electromagnetic forces. Yeah, something about that. Um, I'm going to cut all this out. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, don't look at our shame. Don't, don't look we're, at me. We weren't, we weren't prepared for this. Nope. We were just prepared for robots. I don't know anything about magic or magnets. <laughs> only robots. We're not magicians. We don't know about magnets. Right, that's the people. Magicians are the only ones who know about <laughs> magnets. <laughs> anyway, Wolfgang was unimpressed because he is a cooler name than Francois. And he mm-hmm. was like, I can do better than that. And so he started Anything working on the Turk, which is, uh, I think it says that it's a, a chess playing automaton. I want to make it clear that he's not an actual robot. Uh, they do not have the capabilities in the 1700s to make real robots. But. Oh, man. Everyone at home <laughs> just, they just let out a groan. I know. They're so sad now. I'm sorry. But so six months after this magnet show, um, the Turk makes its debut at, uh, I excuse my pronunciation because I'm not good at German, uh, Schobrunn Place. (laughs) Um, And people are super into it. Uh, The machine Mm -hmm. is a life-size model of a human head and torso. Um, It's got a black beard, gray eyes, and is dressed like uh, a Turkish person in Ottoman robes and a turban. Um, oh, oh, yep. I looked up a picture. That is very, yeah. that is not Turk from Scrubs. No. Um, I believe in the article I read, uh, it said the traditional costume of an Oriental. And I was like, oh, that's a, <laughs> that gives you, that gives you an idea. That's a bad word. <laughs> like, we don't like that word. We don't use that one anymore. No, even historians don't use it anymore. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so the left arm held a pipe for it to smoke. And the right one um, lay on top of a cabinet that was about three and a half feet or 110 centimeters by two feet wide or 60 centimeters wide. And um, two and a half feet high or 75 centimeters. So um, it's not a big table, basically. He's not a big chess boy. He's, no, he's pretty like little. A- a little medium chest. He's, he's boy. about human size, maybe a little smaller. Um, but uh, at the demonstration, Maria is super into it. Um, and he's, uh, it says basically after the demonstration with Maria, that was Wolfgang's whole play. Like that's all he wanted to do. Um, so he was like, well, I'm done now. I impressed the Empress, and that's all that matters. Sure. And I, mean, I beat Francois. Yeah. Pelletier at his stupid game. At <laughs> his stupid, like, magi- <laughs> illusion game. And so for a while, it stays just, like, in a corner in his house, neglected. He doesn't do anything with it. What? That's the worst. I know. Like, he literally <laughs> just did this for showmanship. Like, what is wrong with you? 
Um, but then, like, why why keep it? And then you just have like this, like this this man robot staring right, at you in the corner of years. your house. Like they don't have storage units. I um, know, right? But anyway, so after Maria Theresa dies, um, her son and royal successor Joseph II remembers the Turk because he saw he was there for the presentation, um, and he asked von Kempelen if he could bring it out again, and so he does. Um, and in 1783, he took it on a t- so, so he takes it there, and people are still really into it. And so then, in 1783, he took it on a tour of Paris. Um, which is where he astonished onlookers, it says, um, including a certain chess-loving American by the name of Benjamin Franklin. Oh, Ben. So I want to say multiple articles tell me that Benjamin Franklin played against it, um, but that's uh-huh. all they say. That's it. Um, so they don't they don't tell you if he won or if he lost? Right. Nothing about it specifically. But like I what found, he thought of it? I found obviously not the most reputable source, but a blog about Benjamin Franklin. And this person says, I'm going to quote them, um, neither the specific moves nor the ultimate results of the game are reported in Franklin's letters. And then in parentheses it says, which suggests that he probably lost. Right, exactly. He basically just says in his letters, like, I played against this chess robot. But he doesn't say whether he won or not. But they're saying by his personality, he probably uh, lost or he would have exactly. he would have bragged about how he beat the robot. Right. Um, because the thing is, obviously, this is not a robot and this thing is beatable because um, it's just like a dude on the inside. So it's right. It's actually really complicated. Um, so there's a lot of pulleys and things that are working the arms um, and inside there is a person controlling it. However, like von Kempelen was really into trying to prove that it was real. So a lot of the pieces open up so i'm assuming nobody really knows exactly how it worked but i'm assuming what happened was um so that he could open up parts of it and you couldn't see you could see through the whole thing and you could see gears and stuff in there that weren't doing anything um so i'm assuming what was happening was the person was either not inside yet and somehow they get inside later or they're lying prone in like a hidden area on the bottom (laughs) at the base and then he would close it up and so they could sit up um inside there was a chessboard and on the side of it there's like a wheel where the person who's the demonstrator outside is communicating to the person inside what the person where they moved okay so it's okay i guess so the person inside then mirrors the move on their chessboard and then makes a move and operates the Turk so that it will move the piece to that place also. I like that it's part magic trick. Like, they they try to hide the fact that there's a dude inside of it at first. Yeah, they do, definitely. Um, There is a bit of magnetic things happening in his experiment also, but they would, like, do um, tests that would prove that wasn't what was happening, and they would just, like, have the magnetic piece not in place yet. So he would just have someone who was good at chess. They weren't even like an expert or anything. They just had someone who was pretty good inside and they would get him to play against like randos. So someone who just knew chess and Benjamin Franklin though. Yeah. And beat him apparently. And beat him. That's pretty good. That is good. Like beating Napoleon isn't that impressive because honestly he's not good at games. He's kind of a child. He's kind of bad at games. He gets lost in mazes. (laughs) Yeah. But he was... And obviously not good enough to beat them. But yeah, whoever was in it beat Benjamin Franklin. 
Um, he also, when he toured around, it wasn't one guy he had with him. He'd pick up people around. Oh, he'd like go okay. to like local places where they were playing chess, find someone who was good. And he's like, hey, you want to sit in my robot? <laughs> what a good pickup line. <laughs> How could you say no? And he'd pay them, obviously. But yeah. Um, yeah. It says, uh, so there's a lot of people at the time who were like, how the hell does this work, right? And there was a lot of theories. It's actually really funny on Wikipedia, you can look at, and all the articles have the same pictures, right? Because there's only a few drawings. Um, but it literally says, it's so sassy on Wikipedia, in the, uh, the descriptions under the pictures say, like, this is not how it actually worked. This is this guy's guess. Um, and okay. on one of the pictures, it literally says, here's a drawing of what he thought. Um, physically, this is impossible. <laughs> but we're going to include Come it. For his- out, <laughs> but we're including it for hist- history's sake. For history's sake, yeah. we're including it. But it is. But it's wrong. Patently ridiculous. Yeah, this guy was stupid and he wasn't involved. So don't trust him. <laughs> But look at this like... picture. Look how stupid it is. <laughs> right? It's so funny. But there are no, like, drawings from Kempelen that they have, which is weird because he had to sketch something. Sure, um, right. But they don't have any, apparently, that I could find. Um, Did he make anything else? Was he some kind of engineering genius I, man? This is the only thing that he seems to be famous for. So I don't think so. Like, I don't really know. I'm sure he was some sort of engineer or he wouldn't have been able to do it. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, but there's a quote from this guy, uh, thickness or thicknessy. I don't know how to pronounce it. Thickness. <laughs> this is his last name. Um, it says Lord, Lord thickness. Oh, also this has some like capital, like all in caps parts. So I'm going to read it that way. It says that an oh, automaton yes. can be made to move the chessman properly as a pugnacious player in consequence of the preceding move of a stranger who undertakes to play against it is utterly impossible. <laughs> wrote, he lost wrote thickness in a critical pamphlet as or he passionately published in 1784 <laughs> he's he so lost. passionate about this um he wrote that the pamphlet must be concealing a child of 10 12 or 14 years of age apparently they couldn't be in odd numbers only even number children ages could be in there no, and when you're an odd-numbered child, you don't fit in <laughs> you a robot. No, you, you get to that weird stage in the middle. Um, you get like you get a little rambunctious in your odd years, right? Like I don't want to go in the robot. Fine, just go go run free in your pasture. <laughs> when you get into your birthday, we'll put you back in. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, some people thought it was a child inside, but I was like, how are you getting a child? First of all, that that's good. At, that's that good at chess, and second of all, that is willing to sit in there that long and just do what they're supposed I mean, to do and not make sound. This is definitely the age like where you used to have children like working the big wheels underground. It's to... true, but they're like wily, and this kid just has to sit in a box like and not make noise and not if mess it's up. Like... <laughs> If it's like sitting still or like don't get fed, you might be able to find one. Maybe. But once again, I don't think they're good enough at chess. True. Like the the Occam's razor would say maybe just like a small adult. Right. And some people did think it was a dwarf or a midget. 
Like they thought maybe that that's what it was. And it wasn't. It was regular sized people. It's just they were sneaky. Um, <laughs> some people also I like believe. That, that, huh? that wasn't like discussed. It's like maybe it's just a regular person, but they like. They're like, no, they it cross their fit. legs. It could fit. Why are we discussing the leg crossing option? Right. No. Well, they just assumed that they couldn't fit because they had all those open panels. So they were like, he has Ooh, to be hiding the some magic. part. Right. Got it. Exactly. Got it. He, he planned for this. Mm-hmm. Um, some people believe the person stayed in the cabinet the whole time using strings, pulleys, and magnets. Um, others thought the operator crawled into the body of the Turk himself to control him. <gasps> the Turk is alive. Like, they thought he was like, like just wearing that as second skin and moving him. Oh, creepy. Um, also, at some point, Edgar Allan Poe sees it. Um, and he thinks that the person gets up in it just enough so that their eyes can see the top of the table, but that they're not all the way inside of him. Uh, he was wrong, though. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be kind of funny because the eyes would be poking out of, like, his stomach. Right. It's a little weird. Um, it's like when, like, those gags where two small people or children are, like, one person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, like in, uh, what's that movie? Oh, gosh. Alfalfa. What is it called? That's not what oh. it's called. I don't remember the name of little it. Little Rascals? Is it yes, Little Rascals? it is Little Rascals. Thank you. I was like, Alfalfa is not the name of the movie. <laughs> the um, Alfalfa. The Alfalfa movie. That's my favorite one. <laughs> That's the one I like. So this is really random, but do you know the main actor's name in that movie? Al- who plays Alfalfa? Not even a little bit. His name is Bug Hall. What? No. His first name is Bug. <laughs> I'm not joking. Oh. Anyway, is it short for something? I don't think so. Bugsy. <laughs> Bugsy. Um, anyway. Bug, bug, Bugton. <laughs> back to chess robots. Um, <laughs> according to Robert Houdin, um, who's like a historian or something, uh, he thinks that the uh, the reason for the Turk was all a ruse to um, get a fugitive Polish soldier out of Russia. Um which is feel... weird. Like not, maybe not initially, hmm. but like when he revived it later, because he does okay. von Kempelen does take it to Russia, um, uh, where I guess Catherine the Great also played against it. But there's no information about that at all. It just says that she did. Sure. So I don't really trust that, but I don't really care. Sound, I mean, sounds like it would be perfect propaganda to spread. Sounds very convenient for her. Yeah. Um, yeah. That she's just like all these other cool people who are playing against it. Right. But anyway, it says von Kempelen was in Russia during the 1790s. Uh, he met a doctor named Osloff. Um, the doctor was sheltering a Polish fugitive, um, Waruski. I don't know how to pronounce any of these names. Yeah, I understand. Whose legs had been blasted away by a cannonball. Um, and he happened to be a gifted chess player. So he was like, hey, you don't have legs. That's convenient to be in my thing. And it's hard for you it's to like, find work. How about right. I put you in my chess robot and we'll sneak you out of town? Because Russians like don't like Polish you people. Were, right. It's like you were made for this chess <laughs> box. Seriously. <laughs> also, this is a terrible time for Poland. Also, this is my this is, this is my favorite sentence I read. So von Kempelen did what anyone would do in this situation. Spent three months building a fraudulent humanoid automaton chess playing machine <laughs> equipped with a cabinet I large enough it. to house Warowski, thereby smuggling him it. out of Russia. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> a foolproof like, plan if there ever was one. I'm reading directly he, what it says. He did what anyone would do. Of course. Of course. That's the most logical thing to do. Make but, the chess Yes, robot. this is around the time of 
uh, when Poland starts getting all partitioned up and it's bad to be Polish yeah. right now. And especially a Polish soldier in Russia. It's not good. So, uh, it's never good to be a Polish soldier in Russia, but right, right now it's especially it's bad. It's the worst time. Get inside that chess robot. Real fast with your lack of legs. Um, so it, it looked like the Turk used clockwork mechanisms and they also made like whirring sounds, you know, like it was working, but it was all fake. Um, what? Yes. Um, so it, it manufactured like fake old laptop sounds to make it more uh, like authentic yeah basically they wanted you to think it was all mechanics <laughs> oh cool um which in the words of robert willis uh he says that the the idea that the chess was the province of an intellect alone um so that the machine could play the game with its own knowledge uh-huh. um which obviously is not true um so apparently, uh, Charles Babbage, who I've never heard of, um, he oh, saw. Oh, he's, he's awesome. I'll do an episode on him. Okay. Well, he saw the Turk play on a tour much later in the 18, in 1819. Um, and three years later, he started working on the Difference Engine, um, a machine designed to calculate and tabulate mathematical functions automatically. That's the computer, bra. Yeah. And it was an early step on the path towards artificial intelligence. So the Turk inspired him, um, which is pretty cool. He's like, what if I did this for real and not like a small person in a box? Right. Um, so basically <laughs> what happens is, so Kempelin goes on some tours um, and then he dies um, and then his son inherits the machine. And before that, um, this guy named uh, Maltzel, he, uh, sorry, Johann Nepomunk Maltzel tries to buy it and Kempelin's like, no, I don't want you to use it. I want to keep it in my corner where no one uses it. I, wa- I like how it looks at me from the shadows. Yeah, it's really weird. And so uh, he won't sell it to him, but he dies, and the son inherits it, and then Molsell's like, hey, can I have it? I'll buy it from you. And he says, okie doke, and he sells it to him. Um, and then he adds, like, some features. Like, he adds a sliding chair feature, and he adds a voice box um, so that it can say echec, which means check in French. Oh, um, okay. During the matches, so once you're in check, it says check out loud, and I'm assuming they just like push a button and then it plays that. Well, there you go. Um, that will come up later. Oh, that's a plot point. It is a plot point. Oh. Um, so yeah, he he adds some stuff to it. Um, the box by some was believed to have supernatural powers. Um, Carl Gottlieb von Winzick wrote in 1784 uh, his book inanimate reason that one old lady in particular who had forgotten the tale she had told in her youth went and hid herself in a window seat as distant as she could from the evil spirit which she firmly believed possessed the machine what? so they legitimately what? had no idea what was going on they were freaking out no. about this thing they had no idea they were creeped to the max um so I'm going to talk about Napoleon playing against it real quick. This this thing's on tour, right, in, like, Paris sometime. And so Napoleon's like, cool, I'll play against it. And um, the f- so usually uh, the Turk would be white and white goes first. But Napoleon went first anyway because he's a dick and he doesn't care. <laughs> I'm, uh, have you, I'm Napoleon. I'm Napoleon, so I'm going to go first. And I'm um, going to go first. So it does let him go first even though technically that's against the rules. But – then he tries to cheat immediately, like to to play the, to play a piece incorrectly, right? To see if it uh-huh. works. And um, 
So what the Turk would do if that happened, it would pick up the piece and put it back where it was supposed to go. What? And you would forfeit your turn. Sassy robot. Yeah. So, and then Napoleon tried to cheat again. And it did it again. And then Napoleon tries to cheat a third time. And then the robot swipes with its arm all of the pieces on the floor. <gasps> oh, my god! It won't play against cheaters. <laughs> which apparently Napoleon was delighted about. He thought that was hilarious. And then um, he played a real game against it and lost. <laughs> well, that's so. what you get. But yeah, it's a freaking sassy as hell robot, dude. Can Pretty you awesome. like if you're the person inside the box, just like sweating bullets because you're the person <laughs> that like just like tossed the table over on Napoleon. Yeah, you literally chess table flipped with Napoleon. Just <laughs> done. Like, well, that's it for me. It's like, oh, oh, we liked it. Oh, that's he thought good. it was funny. That's great. That's great. Ooh, that's great. I'm not going to be set on fire bullet. inside this box. <laughs> yeah, it's not not like the bull from that one guy who was it, one of the emperors of uh, Rome. Right, and they were in the bowl yeah, and just yeah, like yeah. got And he's like, get got, in it, see how it is. Yeah, that's not what Napoleon was doing, luckily. Um, this emperor is much nicer. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's oh, like, that's great, you you didn't let me cheat, I'm going to play again. The Turk could also nod twice if um, it threatened its opponent's queen, and three times upon putting its king in check. Um, and then if it did an illegal move, it would shake its head and move the piece back. So not only does go. it just move it back, it also shakes your head. It disapproves of you. No, no. <laughs> Bad form, old chap. Which is so funny. Um, uh, Louis Dutin, who is a traveler who observed the Turk, attempted to trick the machine by giving the queen um, the move of a knight. But my mechanic opponent was not to be imposed upon. He took my queen and replaced her in the square from which I had moved her. What is, as, as Put he her will. back. He's like, no, was no. Not, was not to be imposed upon. Nope. It will not be imposed upon. Um, so the first person to play against the Turk was Count Ludwig von Kobenzel, uh, an Austrian <sighs> courtier at the palace. These names are so great. I, I wish right? I was German. Seriously. Um, he was quickly defeated and everybody like thought it was hilarious. Um it's, it, it was stated that the machine played aggressively and typically beat its opponents within 30 minutes. Oh, not bad. So pretty fast for a robot at the time. I really want, I really wish I, if you could like see how, how Turk would do against like modern day chess masters. Oh, I mean, not well, cause it was just a yeah, random right? dude in the machine. You'd have to be a really good <laughs> chess player. Once, once again, we cut to like a man in there sweating bullets. Right. Oh, and it, it not only like can play chess, it also could do um, the Knights Tour. Have you heard of that? Uh, is it a chess move? It so sounds like vaguely familiar. It's a famous chess puzzle where you have one knight and it can only do the L shape knight uh-huh. moves, right? But you get it to touch every board on the square just once. Oh, I think I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. so it would also perform the Knights Tour successfully for people. Release so the it would, dragon. it would show, yes, release the dragons. <laughs> people are not going to understand that. No, sorry, that's a in-joke. That's a that's, meme. That's okay. It's fine. Um, so it's most experienced players struggle with this just in general, this puzzle. The Turk was capable of completing the tour without any difficulty from any starting point via a pegboard used by the director with a mapping of the puzzle laid out. What a show off. So inside they have the puzzle laid out, so they can, but they can do it from any starting point. 
which is pretty impressive to outsiders. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. It also had the ability, apparently, to converse with spectators using a letter board. So it would, like, drop, like, like basically like a Ouija board, but for the he's Turk. A Ouija, yeah, he's a Ouija board. Yeah, um, and <laughs> he could do this in English, uh, French, and German, so that's pretty cool. Was he equally as sassy uh, in Ouija board form? Oh, I'm positive. <laughs> I'm sure he was a sass master, just like always. Girl, get back in your seat and play me. Um, so... After Kempelin dies, uh, he the uh, Mausel gets it sold to him. Um, he's a Bavarian musician with an interest in machines. Um, he he also I guess he patented a form of the metronome, so he did other stuff too. Um, and at first, he tried to buy it from Kempelin for twenty thousand francs, and he said no. Um, and then his son sold it to him after that for half that. <laughs> so well. just had to wait him out. So Mosel took it on tour, obviously. He took it to Milan, um, and he did a performance for Eugène de Beauharnais, who was Napoleon's uh, son-in-law, and the Prince of Venice and the Viceroy of Italy at the time. Um, he enjoyed it so much, he offered to purchase it. Um, and after some serious bargaining, he acquired it for 30,000 francs, three times what Mosel had paid, and kept it for four years. And then when Mosel returned to Beauharnais in Munich, and he asked to buy it back because Mosel just really missed it and wanted it back. Oh. <laughs> Which is really I cute. Miss, I miss my, my, my chess robot. Chess I was box. so excited. My chess box. I was so excited about it. And then he's like, please give it back to me. Um, it says there are two different versions of how much he paid, but eventually they worked out an agreement and he got it back. And it didn't tell me how much either of those versions were. <laughs> Yeah, like, do we have a sense in, in like, modern monies? Oh, I have no idea. No. I'm assuming that's quite a lot of money in modern money. I mean, yeah. How much would you pay for a a giant chess box that houses a human? Right. It's pretty freaking cool. Uh, So he took it on tour in the UK. Mosul did. Um, And there were several... New developments in the act, such as allowing the opponent's first move and eliminating the king's bishop pawn from Turk pieces. Uh, the pawn handicap created further interest in the Turk. It's like even better now. Um, and he spawned a book called, or by W.J. Hunnerman, Hunnerman uh, chronicling the matches played with this handicap. So you can read a whole book about it, apparently. A whole, a whole book about the handicap? Yes. Wait, ju- just with the Turk? Yes. Um, by W.J. Hunneman. I don't understand. What? How, what? Uh, and it says, despite the handicap, the Turk ended up with 45 victories, three losses, and two stalemates. Huh. So he still did pretty good. Still did pretty good. Um, after a while, uh, Malsel took him on a second tour to Havana, Cuba. Oh, he took him to Philadelphia, I should say. Um, and then he took him to Cuba. Um, but this is where pretty bad things happen. So Malsel goes with Schlumberger is the guy's name. Um, mm-hmm. And on the boat, he dies of yellow fever. Or like, I think when they get there, he dies of yellow fever. Um, so then Malsel doesn't have a director for the machine, like to be inside of it. So oh, then no. he like can't do anything. And so he gets back on his boat with the machine and then he dies at sea on the return trip. Oh, no. Um, leaving his machine to the ship captain. Because well, he doesn't have any heirs, apparently, to give it to. <laughs> the ship captain's like, well... Now I have a chess robot. Uh, now I have a chess robot. Right. <sighs> cool. Um, you can use it to, like, marry people now. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Um, 
So it they don't do anything with it really after that. Um, and they put it in a museum um, in America. It's it, They said it, it was called the Chinese Museum, which confuses me. And it's probably just like a racist name for it. It's just like, look at all the Chinese things. <laughs> yeah, all these things by the exotic foreigners. Right, and it just happens to what, have like, a like, machine like in there. What year is this? This is in the 1800s. Yeah, in still America. very racist. Yeah. Still very, especially, especially about the exotic Chinese. East Chinese. Asia. Yeah. So, yeah, it's probably just like they had a decent amount of Chinese stuff or it was just like a word for exotic, basically Chinese. Um, especially since this was uh, in on the East Coast, I believe. And most of our Chinese immigrants live on the West Coast. Yeah. So it's still very exotic to them on the other side of right. the country. Right. Um, so, it, but it kind of gets relegated to just a corner in this museum, um, and doesn't have a lot going on. And then the museum in um, on July fifth, eighteen fifty four, catches on fire. What? Uh, and the Turk is destroyed. No. Um, but the not scariest Turk. thing about that is that um, it says some guy named Mitchell who worked there, it says, believed he heard through the struggling flames the last words of our departed friend, the sternly whispered off-repeated symbols, Eshek, 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 as it burns to death. Let it burn. This creepy robot is just saying, check, 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 over again in French as the freaking museum bursts into flames. Let it burn. Oh, gosh. It's so creepy. Don't rescue it. It's so creepy. It's possessed. Just let it go. <laughs> it, it is actually evil like that woman thought it was. <laughs> she was right. <laughs> Should have trusted her. That's the biggest her. twist. Should have trusted it her. Was, it was evil. So apparently most of it destroyed in the was destroyed in the fire, but parts of it survived. Oh, no. Um, oh, no. It survived? And it was reconstructed. No, in don't. In 1984. Um for uh, $120,000 uh, by oh John Gaugen, Gaugen. I don't know how to say his name. Is he dead now? I, Was he murdered? <laughs> I don't know anything about him besides this. Um, but instead of uh, the person being in it, now it's just an actual computer. But like from the 80s, so probably not a great computer. Yeah, an 80s computer. Right. <laughs> um, and so he like toured that around a little bit. And uh, it's not it's not really in use anymore. Um, but something interesting was that uh, it's not the only chess robot. So that's weird. Um, there was the Ajib machine, which looked like an Egyptian person, I guess. Um, sure, because why why have just one racist version of right? Robot? <laughs> exactly. Um, and he apparently played Harry Houdini, O. Henry, and Teddy Roosevelt at chess. Wow. I don't know if he was good or not. It doesn't really say in the articles I read. It doesn't say. But he also burned in a fire in 1929. Oh, no. It's so creepy and weird. It's the only way to kill them. (laughs) Why is that happening? Oh, It's the only way to kill them. It's so strange. Um, Also interesting, um, apparently Amazon created an online service to easily harness a large human workforce for, uh, or or like a computer that does work that require would require a lot of human work basically like computer systems that make things easier um and one of them they named the mechanical turk after the robot amazon i see you amazon we're gonna have to destroy it with fire 
Now we know how to destroy you. <laughs> Fire is its only weakness. Um, also, this wasn't the only like weird robot that was happening at the time. Uh, Jacques de Vacasson, which once again, I wonder where he's from. Um, he created something called, which I want to do a different episode about this. Um, he created one called the Digesting Duck. No. Which wiggled its beak, quacked, and pooped out pellets it had been fed. And also, there was apparently a flute player and automaton that could, in the words of Tom Standage in The Turk, mimic almost all of the subtleties of the human flute player's breathing and musical expression. This is why I don't like flute players. Because <laughs> they're robots. Because you can make them out of <laughs> out robots. Of robots. <laughs> Unlike other instruments. Uh, <laughs> no one's ever made a bassoon <laughs> robot. That's all I'm saying. Throwing shade at the flute players. Has anyone no one ever would, wanted no dare. a bassoon robot? No one would dare. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> I mean, they would have to have like a, a torch like on hand to set it ablaze. Right. Uh, oh, and also, so Maltzel took it around and Edgar Allan Poe saw it. Um, and apparently some of his writings are based on it. Like he has some uh, things he wrote about like basically robots. Um, and apparently it was based on him seeing the Turk and thinking it was cool. It says he developed a fondness for it. Um, a fondness. How cute. Um, I have to read you this quote that I read just because this is how intensely people think about chess even now. And it was almost insane to me that I was like, what's happening? This was okay. the start of an article I read about the Turk. And it says in September, 2006, the world chess championship developed or devolved into a debate about bathrooms. No. One champion, Veselin Topolov, accused the other, Vladimir Kramnik, of excessive urination, hinting that Kramnik was retreating to the unmonitored bathroom to receive smuggled computer assistance. And then in parentheses it says, Kramnik responded that he merely drank a lot of water. (laughs) I'm just thirsty. I just am thirsty, dude. I just need to get a drink, Okay. Or like, pee too and, I much. Had, and I had to pee. But obviously you're being assisted in the bathroom by the computers. You pee too much. Constantly. <laughs> I'm like, how many times did he go pee? You know, <laughs> like, was it like three during a match or something? Because then like, maybe. And is it only yeah, when he's like having a hard time figuring out what to do? He's like, I have to go to the bathroom. I'll be back. I, uh, and then suddenly he's like, oh, right. What bathroom. was the move? Oh, right. Here's the perfect one. Right. I uh, I had an epiphany in <laughs> while I was the peeing. I while I was peeing. Oh, here's here's the a story I was talking about. Um it says many writers found inspiration in the Turk including um Ambrose Pierce or Bierce. Yeah. Uh not Paré though. <laughs> Someday I'll talk about Ambrose Paré. Um but whose short story Moxin's Master described a chess playing robot that murders its creator. I mean, people knew yeah, they knew it was up. People knew. Um, I find it great, though, that the, like, your anxiety of, your anxiety that is Will Smith's anxiety, which is, Am- <laughs> robots. Which is Ambrose uh, Bierce's anxiety, that the robots are all going to murder us. Right. And fire is the only thing that can cure the problem. It's true. Is is so old. It's from the 1770s and earlier. Yeah, it's accurate. It's so old. And, and it is how you kill the robots. I've. It's proof to me from here. You have to set them on fire. We know. Even if they cry out to you. Even if they're yelling Czech and French, you just got to set them on fire. 
their their human mask is going to melt away at some point. Don't look. Don't look back. <laughs> it's just like that's the creepiest part to me. When they said that it was on fire and then it was talking while it was burning, <laughs> I was just like, this is like some creepy movie crap right here. What in the hell? What in the that, hell? Yeah. That's the uncanny valley too, because right. usually when when very simple like talking toys mm-hmm. like are set on fire or start malfunctioning, it's the funniest thing to me. I love it. Right. Like those uh those singing fish on the <laughs> Yeah. Like when those on start breaking down. It's so funny. <sighs> like there's nothing better than when those like <laughs> yeah. start breaking. Right. Or when you set one on fire. Totally. And uh, but if it's human and it does that, then it's right. the worst thing and ever. And it's saying human words out of its yeah. human-looking mouth yep. as it slowly burns to death. Take me to the river. <laughs> <laughs> Copyrighted music. Um, anyway, that's the Turk for you. That's what I got. I, for one, welcome our new chess-playing, weird-peeing robot masters. <laughs> yes, they're the best. Oh, I also should say Krampnik, the guy who was peeing a lot, he did win that match. And so people were like, hey, that's not cool. They're like, it's because of his bladder. He keeps peeing, and that's why he won <laughs> chess. <laughs> oh, gosh. The other guy just has a smaller bladder, and right. that is why he lost. And that's not fair. That's bladder prejudice. And... um I will not stand for it in the chess community. I mean, because, like, how long are those matches? I don't know. If it's under, like, five hours, I feel like you should just suck it up and sit there. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you drink a lot of water right before, maybe not. But, like, maybe you just shouldn't drink a lot of water right before you play chess, dum-dum. If if you're a professional in your field and you drink a lot of water, you should be prepared and wear a diaper. Right. This <laughs> this is the World Chess Championships, Okay. <laughs> I'm imagining like one business. of those like really serious sports animes where this is discussed. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> like we have to go to the championships, but someone he keeps going to the bathroom. It's so weird. Obviously, it's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> He's checking his phone. Oh, someone should man. wear a diaper. <laughs> someone should wear a diaper. He's like, I'm just gonna pee in a bottle right under, <laughs> oh, no. right down here. That's what was really under the Turk's box. Is a bottle of pee. It's just like a gallon. <laughs> Seriously, because that guy, I'm sure that person was in there for hours. Oh, no. Because they, yeah, they, no they had to do multiple um, matches against people, right? It's the entertainment for the day at court. Oh, no. You had like, to be yeah, in there no, for hours. No meals, no, like, stretching. Right. You maybe could say, like, oh, the Turk's tired. He needs a break and, like, maybe switch out dudes. Perhaps. Sure. But mm-hmm. you got to be real sneaky about it. Super sneaky. So I don't know. I think he was probably just like, you can't eat or drink like t- five hours before. You have to just sit in there and be hungry. Right. And be quiet with I'm... your stomach sounds. <laughs> I'm looking at uh, like pictures that people thought. The fake ones. Yeah. Like that would be inside. And it features like a dude like with full like court clothes on. I'm like, <laughs> right? there's someone in there. No, he's in he his was underwear. Not... He was in his underwear. Because <laughs> it's hot and horrible. <laughs> it's hot. He's peeing into cups. Right. It's, it's not fun. There are whirring not... sounds around him that are fake. Stupid. He has like a chest on like one side. He's like writing right. things down on another. He's sweating. It's a hard he's not job. Wearing a wig. It's a hard he's job. He's not wearing a wig. This hasn't no. been a wig. 
no there's no way in hell that'd be so hot dude especially because there are machine parts in there moving around that have to be giving off some amount of heat oh i know and how are they being powered like probably steam (laughs) what if it got caught and it's just like the box starts like yelling like oh (laughs) ow ow please no i'm stuck let me out oh let me out oh the uh the turk is tired (laughs) you must take a nap (laughs) <laughs> Even though he's a robot. Even though he's a robot. That's when the uncanny valley breaks. Right. Oh, I also want to say for people, because I'm sure you've heard that there are older robots, um, like Da Vinci's robots. Like he made some sort of a uh, suit of armor dance and stuff and salute. It's pretty cool. I think we should just what have a, a series about ancient, not ancient, but old school robots. Oh, what a nerd. He's a pretty big nerd. The nerdiest nerd. Right. Anyway, we should probably end the podcast now. <laughs> yeah. Bye, guys. Bye, bye, listeners. Bye forever. Bye. That's what I always say. Bye forever. Bye. Bye forever. Because you know what? If it's true, then you're welcome that I knew. And if not, it's like a happy surprise. Bye. I'm amazed you made it this far. <laughs> yes. If you did, congratulations. Um, you made it all the way to gallons of piss in a chess box. Right. Electronic high five for you. Um <laughs> If you enjoy this for some reason, um, we would love if you, you know, uh, rated us and subscribed on wherever you're listening to this. Uh, Please share it with your friends and family. Also, we have an email. Um, If you know any more robots that I should talk about, please tell me in hystericalhistorypodcast at gmail.com or anything else you want me to talk about. But I am specifically on a robot kick at this moment. If, uh, if you know any single robots, email us. <laughs> Hit Haley up. She loves dating them in the video games. In the video games. Also, the aliens. Oh, my gosh. Andromeda is coming out. I'm so excited. Okay. We're, we need to get off track again, though. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> and on our Facebook page, as always, will be our uh, sources for this yep. episode. Hysterical History. Simplecast. Yeah. FM. 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 FM, like the radio. Just like that, only not as put together. Um, Or paid for. (laughs) But thanks for joining us. We love you. (laughs) Very passionate. Um, (laughs) And uh, you'll hear us next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.